Hi, everybody. Tent addict that gives me anything, anything that gives me worth and comfort. So my sobriety date is April 11, 2021. Uh, before I get into my story, I want to uh, just warn ahead of time that uh, some people may be triggered by parts of my story. Um, and I think it's very important that I um, let you guys know that before I start. Um, so I was born September 16th, 1980 uh, in a little small town called Richmond, Quebec. Um, so what was my environment like? It was, uh, I grew up around Hell's Angels. Uh, my neighbors were Hell's Angels. The other neighbors were Hell's Angels. You know, it was Hell's Angels everywhere. Uh, drugs, gun violence, uh, broad day shooting. That was a pretty co- common currency in my, in my hometown. Uh, my parents, my father was very strict, very strict and very, had a very still hand. Uh, my mom was more on the, um, I would say the more docile side. Um, she was, uh, yeah, she was, she, she was pretty good. She, um, but my father made up for it, What she, what she had kindness. My father made up for meanness. Um, so how can I start this after this? I think I'm going to go into, um, I'm going to, I'm going to skip a little bit, um, ahead, but I will put a, uh, an understanding that uh, my father's family was from Quebec. My mother's family was from Ontario. Um, and growing up in the 80s and having one parent from one province and the other parents from another province, they hated me. Both sides hated me because of the other parent. So I grew up in an environment that um, I should have never been born. Um, everything I did was my fault. Um, oh, uh, and my father's family was really prone for telling me I was going to be, excuse the language, a whore, just like her. Um, and I will point it out, my mother was not a whore. And of course, I find this out really later, right? So I grew up with this kind of a mentality that um, it's pretty shitty. Um, so by the time I was seven years old, I had already been through physical, mental, emotional, and sexual abuse, including prostitution. And... Uh, my parents split up when I was about five because they fought like cats and dogs 24 seven, 24 seven. They finally split up when I was five. So I was uh, placed in the, what we call the CAS here in Ontario. We call it DPG back in Quebec. Um, so basically the foster care system. And I was basically tossed around uh, for two and a half years um, in six different foster homes. And uh, so I was 10 when I got placed with my father um, permanently because this girl wanted to be with her her daddy, regardless of what daddy did, she wanted to be with daddy. Um, So I got placed with my father finally at 10 years old, got out of that system. And uh, it was good. Yeah, I guess I could say it was good. Um, I had a new, a new stepmom. She was pretty cool. Uh, she was good to me. I gotta, I gotta say that, uh, but I fucking hated everybody after being tossed left, right and center in those foster homes. I absolutely hated everybody. I didn't want anything to do with anyone. Um, and I refused to unpack my shit for like months after I moved in with them. Cause I was so used to being tossed around, you know, like I was just nothing like a baggage. Right. Um, so again, you know, the whole, um, Nobody wants me. You know, what the fuck am I doing in this world? Um, that kind of stuff. 
Um, then uh, at 11, yeah, 11. So 11 years old um, was the first time I picked up my drink. That was the first time. And I drank to a blackout, 11 years old. And I remember it was cherry brandy. It doesn't taste good, by the way, when it comes back. Not at all. Um, kind of stayed away from anything brandy for a long time after that one. Um, so here I'm 11. So I'm 11 years old. And, you know, I miss, I met this, uh, this great person, great person when I was uh, in my younger uh, 11. And uh, he was great. And let me just point out that I grew up extremely fast. So when I was 11, my mentality was not 11. I was way beyond because I had to grow up. If I didn't grow up, I wouldn't survive. And uh, it was the first person I ever met who I extremely dignity and respect. And my father destroyed that. We were together almost a year. And he heard some rumor that he was drinking. And that was that. After that, it was me going from one to another, to another, to another uh, person. It was uh, it's absolutely chaotic. I didn't care at this point. You know, um, I'd lost anything, the, the one thing that I had cherished. And just, yeah, I lost the care. And, uh, and I drank when I could. Um, first time I was ever hit, I was 14 by one of my partners. Uh, that, uh, that didn't, wasn't very long. Um, but the one I really wanted to, uh, to point out was I met this, uh, this young man when I was 16, he was 22. And, uh, he was what we, I, we would have referred to back then the, a, a total babe, blonde hair, blue-eyed personality like such a little sweetheart you know and uh there's a reason why i'm pointing this out um it was like that for about six months uh after six months he asked me to marry him the moment he put that ring on my finger shit went downhill fast and uh i ended up uh, going through fucking hell um, I learned not to say no because the abuse was less bad. Uh, this guy believed in uh, mental, emotional, physical, and sexual abuse. It didn't matter if I said no. So if I said no, it was tenfold worse. So it was, it was so much easier just to say yes to everything. So I learned to be kind of a yes, a yes girl there. Um, and everything was my fault, by the way, right? Because I got, I made him angry. I made him angry. Uh, if he had a bad day at work, I. It's my fault because I, you know, I started his day off shitty. Um, I was never skinny enough. I was never, I was never anything enough. It was, it's all your fault. So again, so it's carrying on to, it's all your fault. And, um, and I was drinking too. Um, he was, uh, an, I would say a occasional drinker, but when he brought booze home, <laughs> I pretty much drank the most of it. Um, it was my escape. It was my route of escape just to, to, to just numb this shit right um and uh you know and that sequence kind of continued uh from there off um the partners i choose were were people who just i guess were i don't know you know i blame myself for everything you know because that's what's been embedded in my head right and um my choice of partners were not the greatest for me that's for sure 
And uh, so I'll I'll roll up ahead here, guys. Sorry, it's kind of it's starting to sound like really repetitive, and I apologize for that. Um, at 24, um, I joined the Canadian Armed Forces, uh, and uh, that was because you know what I wanted to make something in my life because I had uh, I had a son, and uh, I didn't want him to grow with a mom who was working. Um, you know, like those um, flipping burgers jobs and stuff. And I always wanted to join the Canadian Armed Forces as well. So, you know, finally at, at 24, after I separated from my son's father, who was uh, yet again, um, one of those ones, you know, it was, it's my fault. Um, I finally did that. And uh, of course, the response to that is, I'm being selfish and self-centered, right? I don't only care about myself. Uh but it was it was pretty good. So I went to, to basic. Everything went great. Um, I was married then. And uh, that didn't last very long. Uh, so I got out of boot camp and I went to my unit. Uh, and what happened in my unit? Well, I got posted to what we refer to as an old man's club. And in the Canadian Armed Forces, that's not a good thing. Not when you're a woman and you're in a man, male dominant trade. So it just continued. It continued. Um, you know, uh, my trainer, I was an apprentice. My trainer would fuck up, but he put it on me. So again, it continued on. It's my fault, right? It's always my fault. Um, and then, um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember here, guys. Sorry. I've, I've buried so much deep down in my soul that some, some of it hasn't come back. And, uh, oh, sexual harassment was a pretty commonality too in that unit for me. Um, you know, uh, harassment in general, you know, um, for most part, I kept my mouth shut, just took the blame. Um, when it came to me, when it came to me, I did. However, there was one thing, um, that had derived from me going through all the shit in the past and that was i wasn't the, the ultimate protector i was known as the mama bear don't fuck with anyone else you know you want to treat you want to treat me like that in the unit it's fine don't treat them like that and i was very protective of other people uh i've been told to see him past side of me because i just naturally care i instead of um turning the opposite way which would be you know me myself and i i went the complete opposite um so it was all about everybody else uh, and I continued that through my career up until uh, it ended uh, in 2016. Uh, I was medically released as well. Um, PTSD, MDD, and I call it the whole alphabet. I swear, I got a label of alphabet. Um, and um, my drinking really, really, really got bad after I was released because I lost something I loved. I loved my career. I loved serving my country. And they took that all away from me. And that was really hard. That was like ripping a piece of my heart out. Um, so I had a, a younger daughter in 2016 too. So I would only, uh, my drinking would be when she went to bed, right? Then mom would get hammered. 
when, of course, still be up the next morning, hung over as hell, still. And then I would repeat every night. And then, you know, um, as my, uh, my kids started getting older, um, it got worse, right? Because now I'm, I'm actually drinking earlier in the day. Um, and it's, uh, it's not stopping me anymore because we're older. Um, let me see here. So through all this time, I'm still going, by the way, to one relationship to another, right? Because I'm the yes, I'm the yes girl. Um, and uh, embedded that, you know, it doesn't matter what goes wrong. It's always my fault. Um, that's the environment that I, I just grew up in. And it was just so deeply embedded in my soul that everything is my fault. So I'll bring you up to my last drink, which was um, April 11th of 2021. Um, my last drink, where did it bring me? Well, brought me blackout drunk. And it also brought me to ending my life almost. And I say almost because I would have succeeded, but my kids stopped me. And I'm so grateful that I have those kids because they have been my strength and uh it's been difficult it's been difficult um so that's uh so now i'm supposed to say how it is now so this is where i'm at now um i think it's important um that i let people know that it's okay to struggle no regardless where you are in your journey um I have started doing um, some personal work on myself um, and it has led me down another really dark path because everything is flooding back from this trauma, trauma stuff I'm doing. And the, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going through the uh, suicidal ideations. I'm going through all that stuff. Um, I did. And you know what the, you know what the biggest, my biggest thing, and this is certainly my, counselor telling me to put a uh, a reminder in my phone um, is the self-care. So I'm on the self-care journey right now. And that self-care journey is literally not feeling guilty and guilt, shame, and feeling absolutely selfish when I take a shower. Because you know what? My kids might need me then. And that's where I'm at in my journey. Everything I do, I feel so much guilt and shame. And I feel so selfish. And uh, it's a work in progress. It's a work in progress. And, you know, I haven't picked up. I haven't picked up. You know, um, I stay strong through it all. Uh, you guys, you know, obviously these rooms have been such an, a big thing for me uh, to keep, uh, keep me sane, as I want to put it right now. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of, a lot of, uh, a love, a lot of love for people in these rooms. Uh, they saved my life. Um, and uh, I think I'll end with that, guys. Thanks for listening.